Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, a clinical microbiologist and the chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic and the president of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. This is our weekly discussion with Dr. Maurice in which we learn about updates in laboratory testing during the COVID-19 pandemic. So Bill, welcome back for another great chat. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's good to be back as always. And they're always entertaining for me and hopefully people find them useful that listen to them as well. Well, I've gotten good feedback. And as we always say, we encourage feedback from our viewers and our listeners. So if anyone has ideas, we'd love to hear from you. Please write in. So you recall last time we spoke, we were honoring Women's History Month, and we talked a little bit about great female leaders at Mayo Clinic. And then we talked a little bit about my path and how I got to where I am today. And I was reflecting on that and thinking, you know, I think our listeners would really like to hear a little bit more about you and how you got to where you are today. And now you've been at Mayo Clinic for quite some time since 1987, I believe, when you first stepped foot on campus. (laughs) So if you reflect back to that time when you first came here to Mayo, would you have predicted that you'd be in the position you are today? (laughs) No, I don't think so. (laughs) In some respects, yes. And if I'm completely honest, probably in some respects, yes. In some respects, no. I, I, I think that what appealed to me coming to a place like Mayo was the sense of history here and the sense that you could contribute something that would have a lasting impact. And so that, I think that was part of the appeal of Mayo Clinic to me when I came as a medical student. Actually, 86, I guess, when I first stepped foot on the campus to interview and I started in 87. Mm-hmm. So now would I have thought that I would end up in this position where I've been very visible as a leader in the institution during the time of a pandemic? Certainly not. That's probably a twist in the plot I would not have predicted <laughs> uh, when I was a 21-year-old starting medical school here. Uh, in 1987. When I was 21, I certainly wouldn't have predicted the path that my career has taken. It sounds like you knew you wanted to contribute. And when you came to Mayo, you were excited about the opportunities. So I guess it's not all that surprising that you were ready to grasp and explore those opportunities as they arose. Was your path smooth along the way? Any challenges that you faced? No, plenty of challenges. Not smooth, right? And, uh, and, And I think that that's one of the great fallacies uh, for someone early in their career, they see people, you know, that are more established and they think, gosh, if I could just have that smooth ride that they have, they seem to have everything under control. And it must have always been that way. And and I don't think it's true for anyone. As you know, I'm a a fan of history and I like reading about historical figures. And it's very interesting because very few have had a smooth path to where they were. And certainly I'm no exception to that. So Uh, A couple of really tough times, actually, when I look back in my career to get to this point. One was when I was doing my PhD work. So I I did two years of medical school. I'd stopped and did my PhD, and then I came back and did my last year and a half of medical school. And at the time when I got in the program, I was extremely excited. When I transitioned out of medical school into graduate school, I was really excited. And then graduate school did not, was very much a struggle for me. In fact, my first project felt a part completely right when my original class was graduating medical school. And I remember sitting in that graduation thinking, am I ever going to graduate? 
have I gone the wrong path here by trying to get a PhD? You know, a lot of questioning of myself. And at that point in time, that was one, one low point. The other was when I was trying to decide what I wanted to do then for a career. A lot of people might not know this, but I had started in pathology and I actually quit. And I went into internal medicine. I started in pathology. I thought this was the wrong choice for me. I'm a people person. I shouldn't. And I had a lot of people putting that word in my ear, honestly. Mm-hmm. And so then I doubted my, my choice. So I switched to internal medicine. And then I came back. But actually to come back into to the residency program in pathology, there were a lot of people that questioned if I should be allowed back in because I had, was too rudderless in terms of where I wanted to go with my career. So those are a couple of points I can think of that were pretty rocky. Um, mm-hmm. And I certainly didn't say, well, the future's going to hold you being in the president of Mayo Clinic Labs and all these, and the chair of the department, and all those sorts of things. I certainly don't think any, anyone, including myself, saw those things in the cards at that time. Well, it's really interesting. As I had mentioned last time we spoke, I had some bumps too. And I also gave a lot of thought as to whether I wanted to be in pathology or even medicine in general. I know from my own experiences that sort of reflection actually really helped me because when I decided what I wanted to do, I was so much more committed and dedicated to it. Was it like that for you as well? Because you must have had to make some big choices, right? Going from internal medicine back to pathology. Yeah, well, it's really interesting to say that. As I'm talking, I think, what would the bill now say to the bill then that would be different? And I think that whole idea of really committing to your choices, even if you're not 100% confident, to not be afraid to commit. You know, I think that's something that's very difficult. And also understand and knowing yourself. So I'm a high P. And when I do my Minnesota personality inventory, I'm someone that likes to have a lot of options, but uh, you got to understand yourself and you have to really believe in your choices and just understand that, you know what, even if the choices aren't the best ones, if you go after them with and pursue them with real vigor and and commitment, you'll figure out what to do. You know, Mm -hmm. you'll go the right way. You know, I'm a believer in that as well. I've said before, I'm an eternal optimist and I kind of figure that things will work themselves out. And I think if you come in with that positive attitude, well, it hasn't failed me yet, you know, that things will work out, even though they can seem a bit rocky at times. Uh, Now, you know, one of the things you said intrigued me because I've heard it before too, that you're a people person. And so you shouldn't go into pathology. What would you say to someone who tells you that now? I think number one, people skills are critically important for just about every walk of life in some Mm -hmm. way, shape or form, right? So, because we have to work with other people and really to not pigeonhole yourself. If you want to pursue something in your career, you shouldn't let anything dissuade you from that, even if it seems like you're not cut from the same cloth as other people in that in that career, for instance. So, you know, I am a very much an extrovert. I think you are too. That's probably why we're talking on podcasts. It is true that pathology tends to draw introverts. And yet I think that leaders like you and leaders perhaps like myself, that some of our colleagues gravitate to us because sometimes introverts need extroverts around them to help them articulate and express their feelings. So it's about things. So yeah, I don't think you should let yourself be cookie cuttered into anything. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing I think for sure is to not be afraid to be true to yourself. Mayo is a place that has a very strong image of what a physician scientist is. And sometimes I felt like that resonated with me and sometimes it didn't. That doesn't mean I should change who I am. I mean, you have to continue to learn and you have to be honest and understand what things you're doing are effective or ineffective in terms of working with other people. At your core, you should really be based in values and keep those values and and not feel like you have to be someone different in your job. You have to be true to yourself if you really want to be happy. Well, that's a great message. And if we have any uh, medical students listening to us or really anyone who's in that early stage of their career, it's great advice. Be true to yourself. And if you're considering a career in pathology and laboratory medicine, I would say that 
we want people that are people, people, if that makes sense. But I would say being a good communicator is essential in all fields. And I think it's a bit of a fallacy to assume that people that go into pathology aren't good communicators. If anything, I would say that I've met some of the best communicators ever in the field of pathology, because while we're constantly talking to other people, other physicians, sometimes patients explaining pretty complex ideas. Yeah. Being a good communicator is important in just about every walk of life. And there's different ways to, to, to communicate verbally, written, all sorts of things. I think the mm-hmm. things that, again, I would take away as, we, as I think about this in our conversation, number one is there's always going to be rough spots. And that's where really not being afraid to do some self-examination, but also being sure that you surround yourself with a good support system for those times, right? And you have yeah. to lean on, that you have things in your life that are not work-related, that bring you joy, that you continue to do. For me, it's, as you know, exercise and physical activity. And the other thing is to remember for all of us is how much a small word of encouragement can mean to someone. I mean, mm-hmm. It can sometimes validate. I think of some of the people that validated me along my career here that saw possibilities. When you talk about me in this role, I remember early in my career, there were a few people that said, yeah, you, you know, you have real leadership potential. I remember thinking, really? Or expressing some confidence. I remember Dr. Hansen, my colleague, one time when I was a resident, uh, he had to leave and he said, you know what, Bill can run this lab. I, I know he's a resident, but he can do it for a couple of days. And those little things, man, those, those for someone early in your, any time in your career, even today, when people email me and say, thank you, Dr. Maurice for X, Y, or Z, it helps, right? <laughs> Small words of encouragement really go a long way. And we shouldn't forget to share them when we feel inspired to do so. Yeah, that's a great thing to say, um, to think about. If you see someone doing something that, you know, would be just worth mentioning, I try to do that with my residents and just say, boy, you really did a great job in X, Y, and Z, you know, be very specific too. And I think people really appreciate hearing that. Now, has your leadership style changed over time uh, since you first took your leadership role? I guess it would be as division chair for hematopathology up to where you are today. Yeah, I guess my, my first leadership role was actually as a lab director, I guess. Yeah, it, you know, it's funny. Some things have, have changed and some have not. I mean, the core of who you are, really, as I said, you have to be true to that. The challenge and I, what I think of the real joy in leadership, though, is you have to continue to get better. You have to continue to try and understand ways to be more effective in helping other people as a decision maker that affects other people. That sense of uh, humility or, you know, hopefully I have that. It's certainly, I know that's an important attribute in leaders because it's got to be a journey of self-improvement and self-reflection. And I have to say, they're more challenging that if you're interested in it, you really have to start early in that process. Because as you go, if you make each pivot or take on a new responsibility, if it's growing in significance or stature, then the, the number of people that you affect by your decisions becomes greater. And then the, and the visibility of those decisions becomes greater. So again, you really need to kind of develop a set of, of practices to keep yourself emotionally healthy and also to keep yourself reflective and growing. But whatever job you do, you're going to look back at the early days and say, I wish I would have done that better if I would have known that. So you have to know that going in and you just have to be willing. And that last but not least, I think it's a common theme is you have to surround yourself with people who will give you honest feedback and you have to make it safe for them to do so uh, as in any position in life, leadership or other, but especially in leadership. And, and, and so that's why I like really value colleagues like you, because I know you'll tell me when you think I'm doing things well, and you also will tell me when you think I'm not, hopefully I make it safe for you to hear both. Yeah, you do. And I know that 
being reflective and also thinking about how do I get everyone around me to really feel comfortable? That can be a bit challenging. You and I have both read some of the same books by uh, Pat Lencioni and his colleagues. And I know that that was a big thing they mentioned is if you have a dysfunctional team, one of the key things is people aren't feeling safe to speak up. And do you want to just reflect on how like reading and what you've gotten out of uh, advice from others has helped you? Yeah, well, two things I would say. Number one is you read things outside of your, your domain of expertise. So Pat Lencioni, that's all about management style, which is not something out of pathology or medical training at all, right? So to read a lot and to, to take in lots of different pieces of information, and then to understand that if you're in any kind of leadership role, actually even in society, but especially if you're a leader, your behaviors will then pattern the behaviors of people around you. If you want people to be honest and willing and open, and humble, then you have to try and, and be all those things yourself. And that's why, to me, a great example of that, of course, is St. Francis, who, when I went into the pilgrimage to Assisi, to think that someone that was so value-driven in his life that he created a lasting impact to today in terms of, and that was not about himself. He was as selfless as anyone could be. So that kind of selflessness and openness and taking in lots of things and looking to people as examples that you wouldn't even think of and reading about them and what they went through in their lives, all those things I think are critically important. Well, thanks for your leadership, Bill, and uh, inspiring others. Do you have any words of inspiration or any take-home points that you want to share with our listeners? They always come into any environment. If you try and make it better and you have values that are driving you for those decisions, you will make it better. And, and I really benefit from people like you that make me better. So I say, no matter what our role is, I think we all contribute to a greater good and to be focused on that. And we all have the opportunity to do good. And also we have to forgive ourselves because we're all going to make mistakes along the way. I guess those are the wisdom that wisdom or not, those are the kind of words <laughs> that kind of play in my head when I come into work most days. Yeah, I think that's wise. Forgive yourself, but always try to be the best you can be. Well, thanks for telling us your story, Belle, and I think it was a really great discussion, and I'll look forward to talking to you next time. Yeah, yeah, and let's hope that things keep going the right direction with COVID and we can start expanding. I do think, Bobby, it's going to be very interesting to talk about now leadership and coming together might be more important than ever. Because with the pandemic, we all had a singularity of focus. And now there's all these sorts of things swirling around us in healthcare and lab medicine and pathology. And so uh, it's going to be a very interesting uh, time here as we start to emerge from this pandemic, hopefully uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, I agree. And come together as the whole world. We all need to do this together. So there will be lots of things for us to talk about. No doubt. (laughs) Thanks again, Val. Thanks, Bobby. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.